Hey, Alien Frequencies Open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and I'm going to get Ceruligans off the ground as a term for fans of Ceru, even if it kills me. Joining me on the show, as usual, is my co-host. She's also the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom on the Chronic Rift Network. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back. Ooh, thank you. Uh, I want to say thanks to I'm your dad. I'm very excited. <laughs> me too. Uh, oh my say- gosh. Yeah, I was so sad missing last month. I'm I'm very happy to record this. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you back. And thanks to your dad, science fiction author Scott Pearson, for filling in for you when you were not here. Um, and he's welcome back anytime that you're not available. Perfect. He's the plug. He's my perfect replacement. If you can't get me, <laughs> straight to him. Right. Uh, and he doesn't... Uh, <laughs> He podcasts at a slightly different time than you do since you're in England right oh now. Oh my god. It it is three thirty AM. Um <laughs> I slept for maybe four hours last night. It's finals. It it's it's wild. No one <laughs> no one questions your dedication. I never I never would. Uh being I was England, very determined. Yeah, you must be. I hope you are. Uh, Being in England, uh, Discovery is for the children, as we know, and as a college student who is studying abroad in England, specifically uh, in the European area, do you get a sense that, at least in Europe over there, Discovery is bringing in young viewers? A little bit, a little bit. I did, the thing about me is that somehow I never make, like, nerd friends, like, my age. Like, never in my life have I had, like, a Star Trek friend, Um, which is fine. (laughs) Um, But uh, when I was at Star Trek Birmingham, um, I met up with somebody I've been, uh, I'd been following on Instagram uh, for a while. And she and all of her friends were all my age. And they all loved Star Trek only because they started watching Star Trek Discovery. And they'd all seen the original series, but weren't really into any other series. Um, But they were all, like, cosplaying um, the girl. Hold on. I'm trying to remember her handle. Um, She had a couple of tweets go a little viral because she does this amazing um, Stamets cosplay. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, I... I'll plug her later. Anyways, yeah, plug her later. there at Star Trek Birmingham, I got the vibe that younger viewers are coming in, but apparently there aren't enough uh, nerds on my campus for <laughs> me to get searching. that here. <laughs> yeah. I need to. Oh That's my God. Mission. Well, you did some in-person <laughs> reporting for us at that convention at Destination Star Trek. I did. Listeners can still check out her report from the show, including her interviews with Andrew Robinson and Max Gradenchik. Uh, you can just look in our show feed. Uh, and also joining us on the show tonight is Dave Gallanter, author of multiple Star Trek novels and short stories, including the 2009 pocket TOS novel Troublesome Minds and the 2015 novel Crisis of Conscience. Dave, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. It's uh, it's good to be back. Crisis of Consciousness. Crisis of Consciousness. That's what I mean. It's hard to, to say. <laughs> so I want you to say it five times fast now, and then we'll laugh at you. I will do by, that. By the way, Ella, your, my new nickname for your dad is now The Plug. <laughs> yeah what's the I'm old sorry. plug up to these days <laughs> oh my god that's perfect well it's I'm great sorry. to have you anyway. 
It's great to have you back on board, Dave. Uh, you were on Discovery previously. Uh, you were talking about the two-part pilot of Discovery, and a lot has passed since then. What did you think of season one of Discovery? I enjoyed season one. Um, I am one of these people who uh, was on the edge of my seat for most of the episodes, mm-hmm. um, and, and it really kind of glad that it's played out weekly as opposed to all in one uh, go, where you'd you'd have to uh, uh, you know burn through them all very quickly because I would have stayed up all night. Right, right. Um, and so uh, I mean, it wasn't without some bumps here and there. I certainly had. Uh, I thought they brought up a few things that didn't get resolved or didn't get resolved the way I, I might have thought they were going to. Right. Uh, but overall, I was entertained, and I think that's the goal. And I love the characters. I love the actors' chemistry together, yeah. and I love the characters. And I, 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 I've, I'm more in love with Saru now after the episode or the short that we just watched right. uh, than I was even before. Yeah, something that we talked about um, when you were on Enterprising Individuals was that your favorite captain was Kirk. One of the reasons was like the, the flaws in his character. Do you think that Discovery is doing a good job in presenting compelling and flawed characters? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think I think Burnham, for example, um, her whole character arc was about approaching something in the wrong way and learning to approach it in the right way. Yeah, um, and that's that's a, a heck of a character arc to have in 15 episodes. Whereas back in the sixties or the nineties, um, that would have been an episode. Right. Um, and so for the credits. Yeah. Right. I think you get a deeper sort of, uh, connection and, and view, um, with the format as it is now. And so I, I think I could probably, well, you know, there have been so many books and movies and television shows. I think we probably know a little more about Kirk um, than we do Burnham. But I think you get a little bit deeper um, into Burnham over the arc than you would over 15 episodes necessarily of, you know, the original series or any other series, just because storytelling has changed. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I see flaws in a lot of the others, too. Uh, mistakes that they've made. Um, uh, uh uh, Stamets. Um, I, I can't talk about Lorca because Lorca was from another universe. Right, right. I mean, I, it's hard to delve into his character. Um, although I got to say, I do find I miss Georgiou from seeing her in this episode. And uh, and yet I do find the Emperor very intriguing. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy the previous short treks, Runaway and Calypso? I did. I did. I especially, well, you know, they're very different. I, I, yeah, I yeah, they liked, uh, I, um, I like Tilly. And so I enjoyed that very much. And I found the, uh, I found Calypso just to be beautiful. Ella, what'd you think of Calypso? Oh my God. I loved it. I just watched it tonight. Um, it was so captivating. Um, I loved uh, I, I love weird camera angles that make you feel a little unsettled, but you don't know why. Yeah, sure. Um, it did make it... Uh, what was that movie that came out? If he, her? Was that the movie where the guy falls in love with the yes. robot? Yes, yes. Um, well, no, the guy fell in love <laughs> with an AI. Okay. It was an artificial intelligence. So very much like this. She didn't have a physical form. Yeah, it reminded me of that too. Uh, the, well, that theme makes me uneasy. Not big on it, but 
the ending beautiful so i was in the middle i was heavily worried yeah that dancing i was concerned but they pulled it back just in time beautiful that i have no idea what that actor's name is what a performance yeah uh aldous hodge is the actor's name um well he's fantastic mr hodge congratulations it was yeah it was disarmingly sweet yeah i definitely went in expecting uh some uh, danger as well but yeah it was uh, it was beautiful uh well yeah, it didn't get creepy it was just sad yeah, yeah. mournful yeah elegiac if you will well we finally seen the <laughs> third in a series of four short trek uh films set in the universe of star trek discovery and this week's short trek is the brightest star featuring saru uh we finally seen it uh, some kind of technical difficulty or perhaps they were just wetting our appetite at cbs all access but we have now finally seen it uh before we start as always we're setting a course for the spoiler zone listeners so be warned uh we're going oh. Yep, we're well a little pre-spoilers, but that's okay. Sorry, if you've decided to join us and you haven't seen the episode, <laughs> spoilers have already been here and are also incoming. Uh, the official synopsis for Brightest Star is: Before he was the first Kelpian to join Starfleet, Saru lived a simple life on his home planet of Kaminar with his father and sister. Young Saru, full of ingenuity and a level of curiosity uncommon among his people, yearns to find out what lies beyond his village, leading him on an unexpected path. This episode is written by the writing team of Bo Young Kim and Erica Lippold who are both staff writers and uh, executive story editors for Star Trek Discovery, and they previously wrote the season one episode, Into the Forest I Go, and Kim is also credited on the upcoming sixth episode of the second season of Discovery. The episode was directed by producer and director Douglas Arniakoski, who previously directed the Discovery season one episode, Lethe, and he's also directing the sixth episode of season two. Here's a fun fact about the episode. Uh, this episode establishes as canon the name of the Kelpian homeworld as Kaminar. It had previously been referred to as Kelpia in Desperate Hours, the first Discovery tie-in novel by David Mack. Uh, although the name Kaminar is used for the planet in the third Discovery novel, Fear Itself, by James Swallow. And according to Discovery writer and producer Ted Sullivan, uh, the books and the comics that are currently making up the tie-in media for Discovery are considered canon until they're not. That is, they're written to mesh with the series, but they don't limit the show from going where it wants to go. And Davis, somebody who's a writer of Trek tie-in fiction, is this something that you have to consider when writing? I know we talked previously about you writing the Voyager novel Battle Lines with Greg Broder while the show was still on the air. Yeah, and, and then we uh, wrote a, a, a TNG novel uh, when it was still on the air. And in fact, uh, for both of those novels, there were characters swapped out uh, during the writing of the novel. Uh, we lost Cass and we got Seven. Right. And so Seven is barely in battle lines because I didn't know who she was yet, other than, you know, there was maybe a little bit of information. Yeah. Um, and the same thing happened, uh, I think, during the in the... TNG book, uh, although it's been so long, I forget. But um, look, you go in understanding that you're writing in a shared universe. And uh, if you're a professional, you take it on the chin. Um, And also, if your drama is that, if your drama depends on the name of the Kelpian homeworld, you probably have a problem. (laughs) Which, by the way, I have to ask both of you, since you've seen it, is it is it my mistake or are the Kelpians harvesting kelp? Yeah, <laughs> I it's saw kelp. That too. It's yeah. kelp. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know if that's a uh, boy. We got. I don't know if it's up. an in joke or. Yeah. <laughs> or that's and just this always whole been time. There. I've been like pretending that Kelpian doesn't just sound like kelp. Right. And then I was like, 
great. Nope, Thank you. Thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> <laughs> Settled. Right. Uh, I know that uh, John Van Sitters, who's the head of licensing for CBS, uh, like comics and books and things like that, commented on this as well. And he, he said essentially that, you know, what happens in the show takes precedence in canon, but the goal is to create stories in the books that cleave very closely to what's happening in the show. And Dave, you, you've also written uh, about the original series, of course, almost 50 years after it left the air. So was there a similar mandate from uh, you know, the higher-ups about what you're able to do in the books? Or are you free to add more detail to old characters? You, you, don't, want to, you don't want to break anything that you've seen. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you can add another level to a character, um, do it. And if a later movie, uh, if they were going to make prime timeline movies about Kirk and Spock and they decided to... Um, you know, undo that, then, uh, then that's how it is. And again, right. you, you, you don't, you shouldn't care because uh, as I've told people again and again, Star Trek is not a documentary. <laughs> These are all just stories. Yeah. Um, and so one story shouldn't conflict so much with another, uh, or, or not conflict so much with another, so long as you're enjoying it, that shouldn't be uh, like we've never heard supposedly of Spock having uh, a well, not she's not a half sister. She's like a uh, an adopted sister. Right. Um, OK, well, we never heard of uh, uh, his brother until we did or half brother until we did. <laughs> we never heard of his wife until we did. Yes. We never heard that every seven years um, he goes nuts until we did. I mean, that's the whole purpose of storytelling is not to hear it <laughs> until we do. Right. I assume that he goes to the bathroom in nice. a very logical <laughs> way. Yeah. We don't have to see that. Yeah. I feel like people just want to see his character sheet, like at the very beginning of the campaign. They just want to know every, all of his skills. Yeah. And here's his father and mother and brother and everybody else. And that would be boring. Yeah, it would be. Um, and also, I got to tell you, from a writer's standpoint, um, uh, you don't know what you're doing in the beginning when you flesh out a character in that first, you know, the, the first story meeting or the first uh, 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 the first few episodes. You have to see what the directors are going to bring to it. What are the actors going to bring to it? What are the other writers going to bring to it? I mean, and if you had an idea that was okay in the beginning and then halfway down the line you got an idea that is really a lot better but it's going to contradict your only okay idea go with the better idea sure or for instance fans going crazy for leonard nimoy as mr spock and then bumping up his part right exactly yeah. although i can tell you his part seemed pretty big before any fan could have ever you know watched the show sure. um but uh but yeah, he he definitely uh, he probably was getting more money. Oh yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. Did they have those arguments back then, or were you they locked into contact? Absolutely did. This is way off the track of discovery, and we'll get back to it in a second. But there was a um, sort of a salary negotiation going on in between the first and second season, and they actually tapped uh, the guy that played Stan in Amok Time, and of course um, uh, the guy that plays his father, who I am blanking on right now, uh, as possible replacements. For Spock, if he didn't uh, come back, but can you imagine? He, didn't he refuse to come back until like Nichelle Nichols got a raise too? Am I am I making that up? Um, I don't know about that. Uh, the story... So it's good. 
I like yeah. it. Yeah, I like that story. <laughs> well, hey, we'll talk I think about, I'm right. We have we have a lot of uh, Spock talk uh, for the end of the show when we speculate about season two. But for now, we should get into The Brightest Star. And I'm going to let Ella go first because she might explode if she doesn't get to talk about it. So, <laughs> Ella, what do you think um, of, the, of The Brightest Star? Obviously, I loved it. I, I we, we were tweeting about this, but I had to watch it in... Uh, the library. Thank God we have a 24 seven library here on campus at Queen Mary um, with fast Wi-Fi. That's good enough for CBS apparently. Um, and I was, I was holding back tears. Like I was like, you can't cry in the library at 3am because everyone is going to think you're having a breakdown while writing your final essays. And in reality, I'm just too much of a nerd to control my emotion. <laughs> right. Um, can I just how how does Doug Jones do that? I, I can't figure out if it's like if I'm projecting onto him based on the scenes or if he's actually so talented and specifically talented at wearing prosthetics that he is just able to act better than like 50% of actors when they're not even wearing prosthetics. It's his gift. He's always been able to do that. I really did believe it was Mac tonight. Uh, no, that's dumb. Uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's uh, he definitely is, in my opinion, uh, and no offense to any of the other actors on Discovery, but I do think that he's the most talented regular player on Discovery right now. And he is so fascinating, covered in so much latex. And the fa the way that he could, yeah, I mean, part of it is like a, you know, Kuleshov effect type thing where you're putting things on him, but it's, it's so much of it is him and it's, it's really incredible. Like my, my eyes just in like day-to-day -day life, like when I'm not acting, when I'm just living are not a quarter as expressive as Doug Jones' eyes are at any given point in time yeah. in disco. Yeah. With the contacts and everything. Like, and I was a theater kid. And I cannot even imagine, like, he's just so next level. I can't, like, I can't. <laughs> um, well, Dave, what'd you think? Ella's going to take a break here. What, what'd you think? <laughs> I, I, I had uh, very similar reactions. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was interesting to see the character that we were sort of given in the first season, uh, you know, started out sort of fearful and, uh, uh, made his own character arc uh i would say of, of sort of pushing back on that but yeah. here you see here you see while we might look at him as being a little fearful a bit of a church mouse in some ways um at least in the beginning of season one um man it, for as far as his people are concerned he's a he's obviously a tiger yeah yeah <laughs> so i thought that was a very interesting take to take and by the way, I gotta say, the makeup is exemplary. Yeah, yeah. His his sister and father did not look like they were wearing Saru masks. They looked like individual beings, um, and that's so nice to see um, in a Star Trek episode where, um, just because of the cost of these things way back when. And the lack of 3D printers, I guess. I don't know. However they do it. Um, uh, or, or just, you know, manpower. Um, it was, you know, slap a forehead on and, and let's move along. <laughs> right. Which isn't to say anything negative about uh, 
Michael Westmore because, I mean, amazing, amazing work and amazing job back during the time. Um, but I think they've had a little more time. Maybe they're given more time than the weekly schedule um, since they're only putting out, you know, if you include these short tracks as all one episode, it's, you know, 15 episodes. Um, uh, the detail that they put into this uh, was fantastic for me, and it lets you immerse yourself and really feel the character in his own sort of uh, environment. Yeah, and the makeup. That was the, nice. Yeah, and the, uh, the, the set and everything uh, just was really uh, put together a great picture. I like your point about Saru. Like, he really is the... I don't know, like Sir Walter Raleigh or like George Washington of his people or something like that. I mean, also, are we to believe that? I mean, he's clearly like a, a technical genius, even for somebody who is as primitive as they are. And I have to wonder, we get such a tantalizing glimpse of what it's like on his planet. And we get these sort of these sort of um, dreadful intonations of things like the pain of Vahari and the great balance and the watchful eye. Then I have to wonder about the background of their civilization, like if they are... If they've always been this primitive and they're being preyed upon by the um, the Bao or whoever it is that's mentioned in the episode, or if perhaps they were at one time more advanced and have sort of been depressed or regressed to this level, it's it's all things that um, it's not expounded well, upon in this episode. I, I will tell you something that 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 bothers me is that um, uh, if uh, the Baul and I, I I saw the spelling because I always watch the captions, right. um, so I think that's it. Um, if they are this technologically advanced, um, what do they need with the Kelpians? Because you don't need, if you have spaceships and, and subspace transceivers and things like that, uh, you, do you really need people to gather kelp for you? <laughs> yeah. Or so, gather, gather themselves as a delicacy. Right. Uh, oh, 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 is that what harvest means? To serve, <laughs> yeah, to serve so. Kelpians, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. I, I thought, I, I, I thought that maybe like they were doing population control. I didn't think about dinner. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that too. Oh, they're kelp. Raised. Also, just the um the vocabulary, like the way Saru talks about um his home in disco is so different from the way his family talk about like, like it's like this religious thing. And he's like, Oh, if you get chosen, it's your time. And like, it's this special, like, and they all just accept it. And then Saru and disco is like, my people are prey. We are hunted. Right. Right. We said, and that. I was so, yeah, I was expecting like, uh, like a different kind of, alien on that planet literally hunting them and yeah it's so wild that they're like this next level warp capable i assume species i don't even well, know well so, uh 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 Giorgio said that they are not warp capable yeah. um but and i'm Baul guessing are? i'm guessing the bull are but yeah. but uh but but that uh, he was he was not. Which, by the way, they did something with the Universal Translator that I really like, which is they let you hear um, a little bit of each language, and then I you go that. into. I, I've I've done that in books before, and I I love it. And by the way, I like the way even uh, the uh, uh, the newer movies, the 
the the actual you know the 2009 movies by right. by J.J. Abrams. I'm th- I can't think of the timeline. The Calvin timeline Calvin. movies, uh, where it's yeah. just a little something you wear on your collar, and again you hear both. You hear the person talking and the translation at the same time. I think that yeah, in awesome. like in Star Trek Beyond, yes, is when they you. did that, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. With something that uh, we didn't mention on last week's show because I only saw it, uh, this theory um, after we went off the air, but um, the. The Vidresh is a word that's uh, thrown around. It's who Aldous Hodge's characters people are fighting. And somebody pointed out that it sounded like a corruption of Federation. Like if you'd imagine a word, you know, passing through a thousand years and becoming Vidresh. So I haven't had time to work on it yet, but maybe that's some homework to figure out what Baul could be. Oh, that's... Oh my God. That makes me sad. (laughs) Um, By the way, I also, I got to say, before I forget it in it, I liked Saru copying the note today. Out oh my god, that was in, so cute! Yes, but and 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 from from right to left as opposed to left to right. I thought that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, why would you assume? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And the I just wanted to add before I forget that the music um, was very present in this episode. Not that it has to be bombastic to be really good, but I felt like it really complemented well. Uh, all the things that were going on in the episode. When he says that he's like ready to go and the theme hit. Yeah. Like peak Star Trek. Yes. Prime poetic cinema. (laughs) Does anybody wonder if, I I mean, I assume he's had these discussions with his father before. Um, Does anybody wonder if at least maybe on a subconscious level, his father brought that piece of tech back and, and told Saru to take care of it. Or suggested he take care of it, I guess. Oh. Um, wondering if something like this might happen. I would buy that. I, I mean, I, I don't know. If you see in your child that they aren't accepting the life that they have, maybe on the surface you uh, you know say, no, no, you have to accept this. But maybe deep down, his father had a dream like that once. And while he doesn't think it's possible, there's something in him that causes him to bring him back that technology. Because all I could think was, is what? Why doesn't he just, you know, break it or get rid of it or leave it for them? Right. That's a great, yeah, that's a great thing um, to point out. And I think it's something that you could definitely expound upon if it was something written. But if it's only a 15 minute show, then we have to just yes. keep moving. But that weight is totally there the whole time. And also, there's it's a really touching and sort of heartbreaking moment when he tells his sister stay safe and of course what he's really saying is goodbye yeah that was sad yeah well by the way she, that actress did a great job too yeah yeah i wish she'd gotten a yeah. couple more lines but but yeah she yeah. was she was really great as well because she uh, had, had that line had i was really interested um i was really interested in her she said the way she said like i have an urge to run back to safety made me feel like she and saru like wander away from the group a lot and that she, I mean, maybe she, well, obviously she has left, so she's not quite as forward or like quote unquote brave as Saru, but just like the, her tone of voice made me feel like she was just like, I like my natural instinct is to run back, but we're out here doing it. I I thought perhaps it meant that she, uh, um, she sensed that something was different about this particular walk that they were on. Yeah. 
you know, because they have that sense of of worry and and danger yeah. and whatever. That definitely that definitely could have been it too. But I was just so yeah, I was really interested with the way she was saying that, and I want yeah, I wanted more from her, but I'm okay with it because by, by the way, I don't want son. to say ganglia anymore. I just want to <laughs> like Spidey sense. I want to call it Saru sense. Saru sense. Saru <laughs> sense. Okay. Uh, you coined that. I'll somehow keep trying to coin Ceruligans. We're all a couple Ceruligans. <laughs> We've talked about Ceru quite a bit. Let's move on to the lieutenant in the room. In this case, uh, Lieutenant Giorgio shows up in this episode. Who was surprised? When he I said was. lieutenant, I was surprised. Yeah. I wasn't super surprised when it was Giorgio, but when he said Lieutenant Giorgio, I was like, oh my, like, how did she have enough sway? Because then she says, like, I convinced everyone to make an exception. How? Yeah. Well, uh, same way, the same way Lieutenant Kirk would have. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Why, why should she be any less persuasive? Yeah. Not st- literally just not stopping until they're like, fine. You're right. Don't be sexist, Ella. <laughs> Come on, Ella. Well, Ella, as, uh, you, I know you've read the, uh, the prequel novels, so her being Lieutenant. Not that, all of them. Uh, which ones have you read? I think I just read the first. I think I read Dave Max, um, okay, and right. then okay. I I left for London, and I just <laughs> was like, I was like, absolutely, I'm not bringing any books with me. It was a hard line. <laughs> <laughs> so, I read Max. Um, it was amazing. I it I was reading it in a park, and it made me cry. Anyways, what what is your question? Well, my question was going to be if her being lieutenant puts it within a, a certain timeline, then, but um, oh. If we don't know, she's young. Let's say that. She's I don't remember. Well, he was on. He, he, if if I remember from Max novel. Yeah, I was going to say. Mistaken, do you remember? I think he was on um, Giorgio's ship when. Yeah. Uh, when Burnham came on, and we know that that was what eight or nine years ago, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He was already there. Yeah, so he had to have gone into Starfleet, and that would have taken some time. So um, this, I'm guessing this is probably 20 years ago. Yeah, at least. And if it were a Marvel movie, they would have touched up her face a little bit. <laughs> it was dark. Although yeah. she, still she is, she's so wonderfully awesome. Yeah, she's timeless. So she uh, is. I, I, I'll tell you, I, I don't necessarily like the whole Emperor Giorgio thing. Because it, it, I feel bad that that Captain Giorgio is gone, but man, any scene she's in, she takes it away. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love watching yeah. her on screen. She's captivating, and we can still see her in things like this, in side stories, short treks, and um, who knows, maybe time travel. Is there anything that you guys want to see um, as we kind of move on here? Uh, in future short treks, um, of course, next week we're going to get uh, a look at Harry Mud. Uh, is there anything that hasn't been covered that you'd like to see covered in a short trek? Uh, Spock. <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, yeah, they've got an actor for Spock. Um, so oh, oh I, I we know. That means, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, he's been in the trailer. I, I assume that they could use him, but uh, I mean, do they want? Do they want to do that, or do they want to, um, you know, focus more on their own characters? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think they're gonna. They're they're not gonna make a short track of this. But yeah, I, I think they're gonna I, try to steer away from it. Although I'll tell you, I I I would love to see. 
I don't know if Sarek and Spock are going to be in together in this upcoming season, but I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah, that would be cool. I'd love to Ooh, see. I would tension. lose it. Because, because there was obviously a lot of tension when they saw each other, you know, on oh, the man. Enterprise. Right. And mm-hmm. it, I, they didn't say actually how long it had been. And they didn't say they weren't, uh, did, 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 uh, did Amanda say they hadn't talked in yeah, a while? Yeah, in like, in like a year, in a long time, right? It was years. Yeah. Mm. It's to the point Sad. where, yeah, it's to the point where he's debating whether he can give his father like this blood transfusion or whether he, it's more important that he's, you know, controls the ship. So. Well, I totally, I, 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 one of the reasons I love that is, is because his whole reason for saying that is, because he's trying to please his father. Yeah, his dad would be mad if but, he did help him. Yeah. Very <laughs> so what would what would father say? What would my father say if uh, I gave in to you know what what his mom was saying, which was you know do it because it's you know the emotional thing to do. Right. Um, so and it's it's I think it's very cool that Vulcans have the same sort of problems as humans as they're trying to, they're trying to please their parents at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's keep talking about Spock. I promised that before. Uh, Dave, you have a <laughs> book called Troubles and Minds, which features Spock. Are you excited to see Spock in the upcoming season of Discovery? I am. I am. And I, I, I'm so weirded out by Marina. My Facebook profile picture is Spock smiling from the original series. <laughs> sure. I he saw that today. Smiling in the trailer. And they're like, but Spock is smiling and he wouldn't smile. Have you met Spock? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, Spock oh showed emotions. He just tried to keep them on the down low. Yes. But they were there. <laughs> there yes. are a lot of fanboys that I need to throw hands with. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm an old person. What does that mean? Fight. Oh, okay. We're gonna we're gonna box. <laughs> Get your gloves. <laughs> Because well, I'm not going to have it. It's funny. The last two books I wrote are very Spock-centric, The Troublesome Minds and The Crisis of Consciousness. And um, I had someone on one of them write a review on Amazon. It's the only time I've ever replied to a review on Amazon who told me I didn't get the characterization of Spock right because he used, in my book, he used contractions. Oh, okay. <gasps> I've and, heard you say that before. Ridiculous. Yeah. Not only are they thinking of data, but but Spock talked like a normal person. Sure. And 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 sometimes with great peak. Uh, 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 not yeah. that I should quoting Star Trek, but the <laughs> child is named Leonard James Akaar. Uh, I mean, that's that's being more than just asking a question. He was shocked and angered. Yeah. <laughs> well, annoyed, highly annoyed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, I was, uh, recently, uh, talking, we did a supplemental show on enterprising individuals about Spock. And one of my favorite moments of Spock is when he sort of drops the mic on Stan at the end of Amok time, where he's telling him, I'm <laughs> paraphrasing, but he's telling him, okay, you can, you can have her, but, uh, you're going to find out that maybe it's not so, maybe wanting her is not so great as having her. It's like Spock out. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> He is so, I know that a lot of Vulcans are like this, but Spock is so like, 
of course I don't have emotions. Are you crazy? I'm <laughs> so much better than you. I don't have anything like that. And then two seconds later, he's like teasing McCoy or something, right, you know, yeah. he just like, he like makes everyone do like double takes. Well, and the, whole <laughs> like, point, the whole point of Vulcans is their emotions are so caveman <laughs> that yeah. if they let them boil to the front, uh, their race is doomed and they'll all kill each other. Yeah. So it's and they're also pretentious about it. I love it. Yes. That well, you know, that that too is emotional. <laughs> <laughs> like seen... any Vulcan is always like, we don't have emotions, excuse you. And in reality they're just they're shoving that down. Yeah, oh, a lot of repression. <laughs> he seems pretty chill in the uh, quick glance that we get of him in the trailer for season two, though. He seems uh kind of at uh, peace with his little smile, which put me in the mind of <laughs> Uh, of his brother, of his half brother, really, uh, who seems to have it all figured out, or at least be. Well, what's interesting is, did I? Did I don't think he smiled in that trailer. It was just Pike saying, "Is that a smile?" And he says, oh, "Yes." <laughs> maybe a little. But tiny. I don't. I yeah, just a little tiny smile. Smizing. It's it's smizing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's the funny thing. It's a Spock ten years before we met him. Although I mean, he we saw him in the cage. Yeah. Uh, but in the cage, he was grinning like uh, an ass-eating grin and uh, and yelling things like, the women! Uh, I mean, so Spock was uh, Spock was much younger. What is he supposed to be, like 23, 25, something mm-hmm. like that? In the here? cage? Uh, 23 no, in the in cage, disco. 25 in, in Discovery, Discovery yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, uh, because I'm assuming that this season takes up immediately – um, after the end of last one, since we see the Enterprise, and then in the first trailer, Pike is coming aboard and taking taking over the ship. Yeah, which I got to say, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I really didn't, because they said they were going to Vulcan to get their cap, pick up their captain. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, change plans. Guess what? Yep. Well, um, this is the time on the show when we speculate about the future, but we've done that already, and we'll know the truth January 17th when Discovery returns. Uh, I think, unless you guys have any final thoughts about this episode, The Brightest Star, uh, we're ready to wrap up. Final thoughts? Uh, My only final thought would be is uh, I I wanted to know more about Saru, Mm -hmm. and uh, I now feel I know a little bit more about Saru, and now I only want to know a lot more about Saru. Yeah, I'm in the same place for sure. And that to me yeah. is is good writing. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Ella? I every short track I and I noticed it today right when it ended, I was like, Oh my god, that has to be longer, it needs to be longer. And then I realized that and this like this applies to all three, um, it takes a lot of talent to be able to make something that short and have it still be this sweet concise story even if it leaves you wanting more you know what i mean like they they all like end in semi cliffhangers um but i i don't think i would be able to make a a 15 minute short film like these and have it be so like have the script be so flawless like i'm i'm very impressed i was so I was a little apprehensive when they announced the short tracks because I was like, well, I'm excited, but what is this going to be? And um, they just, God bless those writers. They never <laughs> fail to uh, 
impressed me. Yeah. It is, it is definitely art itself, although I do have to say with commercials on TV, sometimes a half-hour show is just about 18, 19 minutes these days. Yeah. So I think, I think Hollywood in itself is uh, 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 doing more and more, working harder and harder to tell, uh, to tell more story in less time, which yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a change of format, and um, it's certainly, obviously, they're showing it can be done. Yeah, that's a big that I was... It's also, sorry, okay. I was just going to say, I feel like it's a change in, like, how we view content just in, like, 2018. You know, like, YouTube, like, Vine obviously is dead, but Byte is coming next year. Like, these short videos, like, David Dobrik, I don't know if you guys know who that is. He <laughs> no, is, like... <laughs> he's So he's a vlogger on YouTube, and all of his vlogs are four minutes long, but the, I think the reason he's so popular is because he packs all this content into four minutes and it's quick and you watch it and it's done. Whereas other bloggers are making 25 minute videos and nobody watches them. Um, I got to say that that appeals to me, not because I have a low attention span or anything like that. But there are times in the day where I only get four minutes that I want to spend yeah. on something sure. like that. Yeah. See, now I'm old, and the YouTube videos that are an hour long are the only ones I watch. So, <laughs> I bet I'm older than you are. Uh, maybe. We can do that fight. later. Fight. <laughs> yeah, an old man fight hand. with our walkers. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm 20. I'm at college. I'm like, how old are you guys? <laughs> ASL. Right? Like, yeah, I think it's it's totally different just to be like a TV writer these days. If you grew up like me on the old type of tv content like dave was saying you think about it in like a you know an act structure and it must be you have to be able to do it in both ways these days and that's one of the things that i was interested in seeing about the short treks is that since they're not even though they are maybe the length of a half an hour show you know how are they get it's uh, it's uh, structured more like a film uh, perhaps yeah. Uh, or... interesting to me is is that that uh one of the reasons i think the original star trek holds up pretty well is because it's very well paced yeah. Um, I was uh, I was home from work today, my day job today, and uh, BBC America was having the next gen on. They were showing some of the very early season episodes, which were horribly paced and do not hold up well. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, which the, it's funny, the, the later season three and on uh, become much better paced, I think. Um, but the early ones were just everybody was just walking slowly everywhere no matter how urgent yeah. it was. <laughs> and um, I think uh, storytelling has just changed over the last 50, 40, 30, even 20 and 10 years, and it keeps changing. Um, and uh, uh, again, creatively, that's not a bad thing. Um, it, it, I think it helps uh, writers f flex different muscles and learn different styles um, and I'll be honest, when I write a, uh, a, a, an original series book, I, I try to pace it sort of like an original series episode yeah. and, uh, and the same goes for a TNG book or, or whatever I'm writing. I want it to be like that. It would be interesting to see, uh, how a, a discovery book would turn out. Yeah. I look forward yeah. to David Dobrik's short trek. Extremely short Oh my trek. God. <laughs> 
Well, that's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EIST Pod for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. And you can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage or email us at EISTPod at gmail.com. And while you're on the internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to the show. Give us a rating and a review if you think of it because it really helps us out. Also, I want to announce that we've got merch. You can check out our t-shirts available on our T Public store. You can search for Just Enough Trope on T Public. That's our parent network for our Trek wear. And if you really want to support the show, stop by patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. Discoverage will return next month on Thursday, January 3rd for the final short trek, The Escape Artist, starring Rain Wilson, directed by him as well. We'll go live, hopefully, at 9 p.m. Central, uh, unlike tonight, but that's our <laughs> usual time, just after 9 o'clock. So join us again then on January 3rd. In the meantime, you can check out our main show, Enterprising Individuals, at enterprisingindividuals.com. Every Wednesday, I and a guest will discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. We also have news from the Trek Sphere, updates on Star Trek Discovery, and interviews with special guests. Now is a great time to catch up on the show. We're just winding down our third season, and we're getting ready to debut the fourth season early next year. So check it out at enterprisingindividuals.com. Dave, thanks again for joining us to talk about this short trek. Remind people where they can find you online. Uh, I am at Dave Gallanter on Twitter, and uh, if you look up Dave Gallanter on Facebook, and right now see a picture of Spock smiling, that's Spock smiling. that's me. <laughs> um, and thanks for having me. It's it's always a blast, guys. It's always good to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. And Ella, where can people find Generations Geek? Uh, GenerationsGeek.com, GenerationsGeek on Twitter and Instagram, and um, the cosplayer I was talking about earlier, her name is Mo. She is Sound of Cosplay on Instagram um, and Twitter. Uh, she's amazing. I don't think I, I have a I have a, a nugget of a story from DST that I'm going to say real quick. She is the reason why I met uh, Anthony Rapp, Wilson Cruz, and Kenneth Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um she, we were walking past the autograph tables and she like dragged me, she grabbed me like by the backpack and just pulled me over to Anthony Rapp and was like, hi, Ella's too nervous to talk to you. And Anthony Rapp <laughs> looked at me and was like, why? And I was like, uh, <laughs> um, anyways, God bless her. So we have, um, I think our next show on Generations Geek is going to have, I did interview her at the con. And so I think, um, oh, the next show that goes up is my interview with her. Um, she is very talented. Like I said, she's a new Star Trek fan, and she immediately made this Stamets cosplay. Um, she makes her own props at DST. She had this little, like, canister of um, uh, mushrooms. Like, and it, it like, glows. Like Portobello or what? <laughs> no, like, like, <laughs> my, like, like mycelium network. Okay, okay. Um, Where is it Portobello? Mycelium. 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 Got it. Mycelium. Sort of spelled me. Well, people should go check that out. Uh, And that's it for us. Thanks for listening. And we're signing off. This is Aaron for Ella and Dave saying, live long and prosper. 